Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. All right, you can find your seats. Good morning, you guys. Welcome to Kingsgate. Man, after that intro, no pressure, right? Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. Um, Pastor Fabian and Pastor Matt are on a men's retreat this weekend. Praise God for men who seek God and are putting God first and are pursuing him. If you, if men, if you weren't able to make it to this particular men's retreat, there'll be another one coming up soon. I know they would love to have you. We've been hearing testimonies about what God's doing over there in Cloudcroft. They're having a great time. But this morning, because they are absent, you get me. So welcome. I'm excited to be here. I love to preach the word of God. I love to talk about God. I love to talk about Jesus. I love to talk about the word because it is very real to me. Um, I have been to the edge of the cliff, per se. I've um, struggled with health. I've struggled with mental health. I've struggled, you know, with unforgiveness. I've been through bitterness. I've been through shame. I've been right where many of you are in a lot of different areas of life. And the word of God and the presence of God and the, the spirit of Jesus has been what has pulled me through. And that's why I love to preach the gospel. That's why I love to tell other people is because it's very real to me. So anything that I share with you, anything that I encourage you to do, I want you to know that I'm doing it in my own life. And so um, I come here today under Pastor Matt and Pastor Fabian's authority to preach the word. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your presence, to hear your word, to learn your word, to understand your word. God, I pray that every person in this room today, that their spiritual eyes would be open to the importance, the treasure, the preciousness of what your word really is. God, I pray that we walk out of here today with a fresh hunger for your word, a fresh thirst for your word. God, I pray that we would be people who love your word, who love you and run hard after you. Wake us up today if we're apathetic. Shake us, God, if we're asleep. Wake us up to the things that you want to do in our lives through your presence and through your word. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. So Pastor Matt started a series last week called God's Manual for Success. And this is part two of that series. And I want to talk to you about attaining godly success through the word, which is God's manual for success. So when we talk about the manual for success, how many of us have bought an appliance or a car or a phone or an iWatch or whatever it is, you bought some kind of product and it came with a manual, and you threw the manual in the drawer, right? You went just straight to throwing it in the drawer, and you went on to using that product, whether it's a microwave, a refrigerator, a washer dryer, whatever it is. How many of you, raise your hand, do you have a drawer of manuals at home? Yeah? Okay, me too. How many of those pages of those manuals have we actually read? Not many. Usually what happens is we go and we have a problem. Like, I'm going to use this really simple example. Fall back or spring forward when it's time to change the clock. You go to your microwave or your Keurig coffee pot, that's the one that always gets me. Or you go to your radio in your car and you're like, how do I change the time? And you're pushing every button and you're holding these two down and you're clicking on this one and you're trying to everything that you can do. And after several minutes, sometimes hours, texting your husband, texting your wife, I can't get this thing to work. After all of that, you finally slow down and go, let me go find the manual. Let me go find what the manual says. And in a few moments, you flip over to the index the index tells you what page to go to to change the time on your clock, and you, in moments, you figured it out. Why don't we go to the manual first is my question. Why do we waste all of our time spinning our wheels? Um, that's what the Word of God is. It's a manual for life. Um, it is, let me see. John, will you hand me your Bible? I left mine in the office. 
this is a manual for life. It's not just a book. It's not just something that's you know, looks pretty on your coffee table or looks good on your shelf. This thing has value, high value. In fact, when, Jesus, when God sent Jesus to die on the cross, he provided salvation and healing. And we hear, you know, I preached a whole sermon recently about the cross and what Jesus provided. But then he didn't stop there. God loved us and cared about us so much that he didn't leave us to get through life in Christianity without a manual. And so many times this is the missing puzzle piece in Christians' lives. And you cannot be successful in life without your manual. Your level of success in life will be based on your level that you surrender and obey this manual. God's provided answers for all that we need in this manual. So the word of God is essential to our Christianity, and the enemy knows that. Do you guys remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden? He knows that this right here is essential to your growth. Now here's the thing. Hang with me. You were saved by, through grace by faith. What does that mean? That means your salvation does not require anything on your part other than believing that Jesus is the Son of God and asking him to come and to live in your heart. It's the grace of God. It's the free gift of salvation. But growth requires action on your part. And this right here is how we grow. It's how, okay, this guy right here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, some of you are distracted by him already. I named him Eddie. I hope none of you know an Eddie. Maybe we should name him something that you don't know. Okay, you guys know an Eddie. How about um, Stuart? Does anybody know a Stuart? Oh, y'all know Stuarts too. Okay, we're going with Eddie. This guy, his name is Eddie, and he's going to help me preach today. He is not a Halloween prop, Okay. I'm so creeped out by Halloween that up until I was 30, my mom still called me on Halloween night to check on me. <laughs> Seriously, mom, if you're watching, check on me in a few weeks. I'm so creeped out by Halloween that I went to buy this guy, and it was at Home Depot, and I went to the, the um, Halloween section where all of the goblins and creepy things, and I had to rush and, like, keep my head down and hurry up and buy him and go over to the thing because so, I'm so creeped out by Halloween. I got to the register. And this guy at Home Depot, like, he really cared. I told him, I'm like, this isn't for Halloween. He's for a prop, for a sermon I'm going to preach. Like, he, he looked at me, and he's like, okay. Like, I don't care why you're buying this skeleton. Anyway, he's going to help me preach here in a little bit. I think we're going to name him Eddie. But if you would, go with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. This is God, this is God speaking to Joshua Specifically, this is so clear, it couldn't be any more clear. Specifically, how to have success. Raise your hand if you want to have success in life. Okay, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, so here we have God telling Joshua exactly. Look, here's what's happened. Moses, the leader of the people of Israel, has just died. 
and the baton has been passed to Joshua. And I'm sure Joshua felt a little bit of pressure. I'm sure he thought, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? He was probably thinking through every strategy, every step, every skill set he needed, every book he needed to read, every podcast he needed to listen to, every college degree he needed to be the kind of leader he wanted to be. And what did God say? Study this book of instruction. Be careful to obey it, and you will have success in all that you do. But here's the thing. I'm going to build a foundation, and we're going to get to some really good points here. Here's the thing. We have to understand godly success and worldly success are defined totally differently. In fact, Webster's Dictionary defines success as achieving um, riches or fame. And in this verse, the Hebrew, the word for success here is sokal, which means to act wisely. So let that meditate for, let that just like marinate for a second. In this verse, when God says you will have success in all that you do, he's telling Joshua you will act wisely in all that you do. The world is telling you that to to be successful, it depends on what your bank account has. To be successful, it depends on how many followers you have on Instagram. To be successful, it depends on how far you've climbed the corporate ladder. And let me be clear, God wants us to be successful in that way. God is not expecting you to just be lowly and never achieve and never be great. He wants you to use the gifts and talents that he's given you. But he does not like idols and he doesn't want anything to be first in your life except for him. He's more interested in the condition of your soul than the condition of your checking account. He's more interested in the condition of your marriage than the condition of your, your, your position at work. He's more interested in the condition of your relationship with your children than he is with the amount of money that you have or the followers that you have or the, or the amount of worldly success that you have. So God wants us to be successful. He wants us to have nice things. He wants us to be blessed and to prosper, but why? Because he wants us to be a blessing to other people. Not so that we can hoard it up and build a success and have a lot of names and and letters after our name. Not that anything is wrong with that. But God wants you to be a godly success. So listen to this statement. Your level of success, based on what that Hebrew word means of success, your level of success will be based on your level of acting wisely. That's what that verse says right there. Acting wisely. So how do we know how to act wisely? How do we know what is wise in marriage and in in raising children and in all the things that we need to do in this life? How do we know? We consult the word. The answers are there. We just have to consult them. Let's look at Jesus' version of being the greatest and being successful in Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 35. Leaving that region, now this is talking about Jesus and his disciples. They traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. Underline this if you're reading it in your Bible. For he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. Underline that because I'm going to come back to that. He said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying. However, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After, okay, get this. So Jesus is walking with his disciples. He's telling them a secret. He's saying, look, guys, I'm about to go to the cross. You're my inner circle. I'm confiding in you. I'm talking to you about the cross. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And what were they doing while he was talking to them? 
After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked the disciples, hey guys, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was going to be the greatest. Think about that. Pause that just for a second. Think about that. How many of us, Jesus is standing right in front of us. God is standing right in front of us, wanting to download the secrets of his heart, wanting to speak to us the secrets of our heart, wanting to reveal to us the answers to our questions, the peace for our anxieties, the, the healing for our wounds, the, 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 the calm for our troubled souls. He's wanting to give us direction. He's wanting to give us ideas. He's wanting to give us wisdom. He's wanting to speak to us through his word. And we're in our minds thinking about how can I be the greatest? How can I get promoted at work? How can I make more money? How can I do more, look more, be more, be seen more? How can I be successful? Probably today and tomorrow, you will see 50 ads for success. Whether it's through a commercial or through Instagram, you're going to see someone telling you, you need to be successful. And you do, but not first. First, you need Jesus to be your mentor. You need him to be your guide through his word. We're going to place high value on the word today. In just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about that. But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Another um, gospel verse says, the greatest must become the least. So I said all of that to say, to lay a foundation, that godly success and worldly success, they're not the same. In fact, a lot of times in God's kingdom, things don't make sense. Whenever you go to God and you say, okay, Lord, speak to me, teach me how to be a blessing, how to, how to be blessed financially, and he says, give, and you shall receive. Wait, what? So I've got a dollar, I want two, and you want me to give this dollar away? That doesn't make any sense. Um, God, how, sh how should I be successful in relationships? Forgive, serve, put others before you, lay down your life for your friend, lay down your life for your wife, lay down your wife for your husband, respect and honor your spouse. No, God, I meant like how can, I, how can they be better so they'll be a better wife or a better husband because they, they're the ones that are struggling. And God says, well, lay down your life, forgive. So these simple instructions that God gives, it doesn't make sense to the world. You can go get a, a four-year degree. You can go get your, and I am all for college degrees. So if you're pursuing education, I am not against that. But you can go spend thousands and thousands on a degree. And if you haven't consulted the word of God, you can still be absolutely and completely off track. All I'm saying is that the success of this world has to come second to your success by studying the manual of God and following things his way. Okay, so number one, how do we get this success? How do we gain godly success? Well, we spend time with the author. How do I get successful? And how do I know this word? And how do I, how do I grow in the kingdom of God? I have to spend time with the author, the one who wrote this book. I want to tell you a quick story about a missionary. Uh, well, it's, not, it's about a missionary and a pastor. So there's this pastor, he, he planted hundreds of churches, very successful pastor. He's actually one of the people that I read his books because he's just such a humble and, and incredible teacher of the word. His name is Wayne Cordero. And he talks about his first four years of ministry when he planted his first church, okay? So here he is planting his first church in Hawaii. Poor guy, right? 
Like, man, poor guy. You had to go plant a church in Hawaii. Oh, man, poor guy. Send me, Lord, I'll go. So he goes and he plants his first church. And about, he says that about four years in, he ran out of sermons to preach. He's like, I don't know what else to do. I'm at a dead end here. He didn't have a mentor. He didn't have a guide. He didn't have anyone to ask. And he really just thought, I think I'm going to give up. Four years in, he'd only been pastoring for four years. And he thought, I'm just, I'm done. And so he ends up discovering a missionary who to Hawaii in the 1800s and had had one of the most successful moves of God in history. You can read about it. He went to Hawaii. He had this incredible move of God. People from all over the country and all over the state were coming to see and hear and be a part of what God was doing in this, in this revival. And so he starts reading a little bit about this guy's life, and he's like, okay, this guy has done it. So I'm going to go I'm going to go figure out what he did right and learn from it and what he did wrong and learn from it. Hang with me, this is a great story. So he goes and he tries to find this guy has written an autobiography and he goes and he walks into the library and he says I would like to I would like to read I think it was called the book of the, the story of Hawaii. I would like to read this book. And the librarian laughed. He goes why are you laughing? And she goes there's only four copies of that book in the entire world. And you can't just come in here and just, like, waltz in here and get a copy. This is a big deal. That book is worth thousands, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a copy. You can't, like, you can't check that book out. And he goes, yeah, but I heard that you have a copy. And she was this grumpy old librarian lady, and she goes, well, yeah, I have a copy, but I'm not letting you get access to it. And so he goes, okay. So then he comes back every day, every single day. He comes back every day, and he's charming her, and he's talking to her. This guy had to go through a one-month training on how to handle the book before he could ever go into the room where the book was held so that he could look at it. Here's the other rule. The book cannot be copied with a photocopier. It cannot be, you can't take pictures of it, but you can sit and you can read it and you can transcribe it. So you can write it. You can copy it. And so he finally wins her over. He goes through this training on how to read this book. And he finally gets his first moment to go in and to read this book. The guy spent two years going every day and reading the story of what this missionary had done and the move of God that he had had, learning what he had done right and what he had done wrong, being mentored by this missionary by transcribing his book. And yet, here we have your Bible. I'm sorry, John. I'm going to make you work today. Here we have this $10 book that we can get at Walmart and it's full of 400 different people and their stories of what they did right and what they did wrong and how they were successful and the failures that they made and all of that. And it costs $10 and we throw it in the back of our car. How many of you have one of these in your trunk? How many of you have one of these on the bottom shelf at your house? How many of you have one of these in the bottom drawer or on a coffee table and it hasn't been opened? All of us, I'm not pointing fingers, all of us are guilty of not placing high value on what God has provided to us through this book. And so spend time with the author of this book, just like this missionary did. A lot of us are chasing success, we're striving for success, but we're not abiding in God's presence and spending time with him where success just comes. He downloads. This is the other thing about the Bible. This is not just a normal book. 
The Bible says that it's living and active. That that means that you can read the same scripture as me, Michelle. Today, you and I could read the same chapter, and God would download to you something specific to your spirit that you needed today for a situation that you're facing that's different to what he downloads to my spirit for a situation that I'm facing. It is living and active. It is God in the flesh. The Bible says that Jesus came, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This thing is not just a book. This is living and active and life-changing, okay? Number two, recognize the treasure. Recognize the high value that this book has. It's a gift. It's a treasure. It's living. It's active. You know what? The, you know what's great about the Bible is that you can use it to preach to a crowd or the same verse can be so personal to a specific person. It's for the masses and it's for the individual. It's daily bread. It's something for you to read every day to gain strength, right? How many of you had a piece of toast this morning? Anybody? John? Bali? Wow, you guys are toast eaters at home with jelly, okay? It's your daily bread. It's enough to sustain you day by day by day. Now, if John ate a piece of bread today and he didn't need another piece of bread for a month, would that piece of bread sustain him? No, it's your daily bread, but I also want you to know that it's not just your daily bread. It's not just what you need day to day. It's also for the big things. It, Pastor Matt is always telling our stories about the things that we've been through and the times that we've had, had to deal with different situations, big situations. And those big situations, the best counsel you can get is from this word. The Bible says, settle with your adversary quickly. Well, there you go. There's one little instruction that you can use for a situation that you might be going through. High value. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 23. Okay, this is God speaking to the children of Israel after he's rescued them from Egypt. Y'all know the story. How many of you remember the story from Sunday school? He rescued them from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He took them, and he, he took them to the, the land of promise, and they left him, okay? So this is after all of that, and God's speaking to them through Jeremiah. Go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. Wait right there. So what he's saying is, I remember when you first came to me. I remember when you were so passionate for me that you were in your word every day. I remember when you woke up excited to get into my presence. I remember when you ran to the house of God because you couldn't wait to lift your hands in worship. I remember when you were passionate for me. And I remember when you followed me even when it was hard. I remember when you followed me even when it was dry. I remember when you followed me even when it was dark and you didn't have anything left so you clung to me. I remember all of that. But then, what does he say in the next verse, verse 13? Sorry, it's 13, not 23. You guys are doing great back there, girls. That's why we got to have our Bibles and not just our screens. There we go. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves 
cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So here we are, passionate for God, right? We're young in the things of God. We're excited about the things of God. We're putting the word first. We're seeking God. We're reading his word. And then we start to build our own little cisterns, our own little way of doing things, our own wisdom, our own, our own expectations, our own plans. And really, those things don't hold any water at all. And we wonder why we're so dry. We wonder why, y'all are giggling back there. Y'all, we wonder why we're all dried up and we're just skin and bones. And we wonder, well, it's because we have left the fountain of living water. This thing right here is, I'm going to say it again, it's not just a book. It's a fountain of living water. So we have to take personal responsibility. I'm going to move on to part, to, to point three, because we're talking about Eddie over here. Growing in God requires action. Growing in God requires action. Like I said, salvation is through faith, by, through grace by faith, but growth requires action on our part. Listen, 80% of what you do, anybody can do. I know that's hard for the ego to hear. Ooh, are you sure? 80% of what you, can, what you do with your time right now, someone else can do it and someone else has done it. At some point in history, someone else has done what you do 80% of the time. 15% of what you do, some people can do. You know, maybe it requires some level of skill. Maybe it requires some level of education. But 15% of what you do, somebody can do. 5% of what you do, only you can do. Only you can be a husband to your wife. Only you can be a mother to your children. Only you can study this word for yourself. Only you can know God for yourself. And that is the 5% that we spend the least amount of time on. And that is the 5% that God is saying, get back to the basics, the priorities of life. All right, so point three is take personal responsibility. Maybe you're like, man, I want a healthy marriage. I want to be successful in my marriage. I want what you're talking about, Pastor Jen. I do. I want to have godly success. I want to be, have a pure heart. I want to have a successful marriage. I want to raise up successful children. I want to be a godly parent. I want to do all of those things. Well, then I place it back on you and say, well, what are you doing about it? And this isn't for condemnation or for guilt, but this is for you to say, no one else can, for me to say, no one else can do it for you. Are you putting, are you making your spouse priority? Do you speak to them with love and respect? Do you forgive quickly when you've had an argument? Do you make communication a priority? Do you make time together in a, a priority? Do you respond to their text messages? <laughs> like, it really isn't rocket science. These things that God's instructions are so simple, but they make big changes. God's instructions are simple, but they make big changes. All right? So let's talk about what the word is. Look, sometimes you're going to have to fight for your family. Sometimes you're going to have to fight for your peace. There was times in my life, actually a couple years back, where I had to fight every night to even get a good night's sleep because I was struggling so much with anxiety and panic attacks. And if you haven't heard my testimony, you can go back and hear it on our podcast. But God healed me over time. But every single night, every single night, I would lay there with my eyes closed and think on the word of God and fight for my thoughts and fight for my peace. Now, the good news is, is that I didn't have to fight alone because the Bible is, I think they're going to put that up there for me. The Bible is a weapon. So the first thing that God says is, okay, here, Eddie, 
I'm going to give you the sword of the spirit. The Bible says that it is protection. That it is protection not only against the enemy, not only against the, the plans of the enemy, but it's also protection against sin. David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is a powerful weapon to be used against the enemy and to protect you from sin. Some of you have come in here today, I believe it prophetically right now, that some of you have come in here today and you are struggling with the same sin and you feel like you're going around the same mountain and you feel like you're digging the same hole and you can't seem to get free. I want to challenge you today to dig deep, get the word, find your word, find your scriptures and stand on them and stand on them and stand on them and stand on them until that thing breaks because it will. Because we either believe him or we don't, right? We either believe that this word is true or we don't. We either believe it's going to do what it says it's going to do or we don't. So my challenge to you today is give it a shot. Obviously not being in the word isn't helping, so try it. Get in there. The cool thing about our generation is that generations in the past, they didn't have Google. <laughs> they didn't have a, a smartphone sitting right there with Google. I can go over there right now to my phone and Google verse for insecurity, and it will pop up 20 verses for me. And all I have to do now is read them and meditate on them and chew on them and eat them. But we have to take personal responsibility. So Eddie over here has decided that this sword is beautiful and nice and amazing. And wow, this is a nice sword. Thanks, God. I'm going to just leave it on the table. Personal responsibility. Another thing that the word is, is it's refreshment. The Bible says that G Jesus told the woman at the well, if you had come to me, I would have given you living water, and you never would have thirsted again. Living water. And the cool thing is, if you drink that bottle, there's more. And if you drink that bottle, there's more. And if you drink that bottle, there's more and more and more. And it's a never-ending fountain of living water. How many of you know what it feels like to work and live in this desert in the middle of the summer in August? And it's 105 and you're hot and nothing seems to help and you just want air conditioning and water. You don't want a Coke. You don't want anything. You just want water, right? And you know what, guys? I have felt that way spiritually. Have you? Have you felt that way spiritually where you're like, man... I kind of feel like Eddie. <laughs> I feel dry bones. I feel dry. I don't have it. I, I need some living water. Take the time. Slow down. Abide in his presence. Slow down. Get in your word. Get in your Bible. Even if it's just 15 minutes a day. Even if all you've got is one chapter in the morning before you go to work. I promise you, he'll give you rivers of living water and refresh your soul. Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it yourself, Eddie. Okay. The next thing that it is, is it's direction and clarity. They're going to turn off the lights. Y'all don't get scared. The Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This little itty-bitty flashlight is enough to illuminate where I can see. I can walk up on the stage. I'm, I can see just fine. Y'all might be in the dark, but I'm not. Because I've got the light, the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. Y'all can turn that light back on. So here you go, Eddie. You feel like you're in the dark. You feel like you need direction. You feel like you need clarity. You feel like you need to make a big decision in the next couple months and you don't know what to do. The word of God. A lamp to your feet and a light to your path. 
it's, it's amazing what will happen when you get into this word surrendered and humble and hungry and say, okay, God, I've got a big decision to make, but you are first in my life. I want to obey you. I don't want to step out of your will. I want to be in your will. I want to pursue you. That's how I ended up in Hobbs from Newburn, North Carolina. I want to obey you. I want to be in your perfect will. And you open your Bible for your daily reading, and all of a sudden he speaks something to you, just something simple and something small, and brings clarity. How many of you have had that happen before? If not, you can. You can hear God's voice. I promise you, you can through his word. Another thing that his word is, is nourishment. All right, Eddie. You know, guys, I really wanted to bring a steak for this example because the Bible says that it's meat, and I'm a big meat eater. We're going to start with bread. The bread of life. The word of God is the bread of life. We talked about that earlier with the toast. I didn't want to bring, I didn't bring a steak, so I just brought tuna. I know it's kind of, uh, like, who wants to eat tuna? I guess if you want nourishment and to stay skinny, you could eat tuna. But if you really want to feel good, go get a steak, right? But let's just pretend like this is a steak. Mm, I can smell it now. I love steak. So here we go. We've got, let's look at this verse really quick. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Ouch. Everybody say, ouch. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk. I meant to bring milk and I forgot. So here you go, Eddie. Here's some imaginary milk. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food, um, our imaginary steak, is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, y'all don't have to put it up there, says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Okay, so let's just say that you've, you've done your refreshing living water. You're feeling pretty refreshed. You've used your sword of the spirit. You're feeling pretty protected. You've used your light, and you're feeling like you know direction and clarity. But now you're like, I'm not growing. You're like, I'm not being fed. I'm not... I'm not growing in my, in the, in the gifts, I mean, in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. I'm struggling with jealousy. You know, I don't struggle with the sins that I used to, but now I'm struggling with, with pride or I'm struggling with something and I need to grow. Well, if you keep staying in the word and you keep studying this word and you keep putting this word first, you'll graduate from milk to bread and then from bread to the meat of the word. And then the good news is you're going to get so strong and built and like those annoying guys at the gym in the morning that are like slamming the weights and throwing them around and grunting. And I'm like, dude, like, okay, we know you're strong. Okay, you can lift 400 pounds, good for you. But that's what we're going to look like spiritually. We're going to have these massive muscles and be able to lift the heavy weights that life brings. Because life is going to bring heavy weights. Life is going to bring heavy trials. It will happen. Life is going to bring hard questions. Life is going to bring challenging moments where your faith is going to be tested and you're going to wonder, do I even believe? And in those moments, you better make sure you have some spiritual muscles and that we're not just dry bones, little dry Eddie over here. What, what can he withstand? Nothing. Like, he can't. Look, here he goes. 
That wasn't planned. But that's a good point. He can't handle anything. He can't. But if he's strong and he has spiritual muscles and he's meditating on the meat and the bread and the word and the light and the sword, then he's strong and able to withhold anything. Here's the thing about Eddie. I could cook this phenomenal Thanksgiving meal. Thanksgiving's coming up. I love Thanksgiving. Like, I'm going to go back to my memory of my childhood and my grandma and my mom and my aunts and everybody cooking and pies everywhere and all of the things and real meat, ham and turkey and mashed potatoes and green bean casserole and all the things, right? And it's all there. I could prepare all of that for Eddie and leave it right here. And he would still be dry bones unless he decided to eat it. We have to take personal responsibility for our own growth. And you're doing that. You know, you're here. So that's, you're here because you are interested in growing spiritually. And I applaud you for that. Keep doing it. Go home this week and know God personally in your personal time with him. Um, Small adjustments. The last point I'm just going to say quickly and then we're going to end. Small adjustments make big change. So the last point is that you've got to make small adjustments, okay? This, all of this isn't complicated. All of this isn't difficult. All of this is very simple. Small adjustments make big changes. You know, sometimes God's going to speak to you and he's going to tell you like Moses, part the Red Sea. Those big moments for big faith, those are going to come. Sometimes he's going to speak like he did to to, uh, Joshua and say, speak to the sun and the moon and command them to to be still and it will happen. And sometimes he'll speak like he did to to Noah when he said, build an ark. It's going to rain. Nobody's ever seen rain before, but it's about to rain. Build an ark. There will be those big faith moments in your life, but most of the time, it's going to be those small mustard seed moments that are going to require small adjustments in your life that are going to create big changes in your life. Um, I love this example. I use it all the time from NASA. And they talk about when they're sending something into space, that if they are off one degree, they miss the whole target. One degree off, half a degree off, a tenth of a degree off, and they miss the whole target. And that's what God is requiring of us. He's not requiring, he's not always requiring us to build an ark. Sometimes he's just requiring us to forgive. Sometimes he's just requiring us to adjust our schedule so we can put him first. Sometimes he's just requiring us to tithe because our finances are struggling and we kind of got slack with our tithing. I'm saying all of this not only to you but to me as well. How many times has God just required a slight adjustment that makes a big change? And I'm going to close with this. If you would, just go ahead and um, turn down the lights. You can start some music. Thank you, Jesus. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes as I end with this. I just believe that God is saying to you today, return to me by returning to my word. I have prepared a table for you. I have prepared a feast for you. I love you so much that I have provided my son and my word for you to know me. You know, we talk about being successful, but at the end of the day, being successful is knowing him, knowing our creator, knowing our God, drawing near to him. Sometimes he's gonna tell you to dig in and fight, 
And other times he's going to tell you to sit back and rest. Sometimes he's going to tell you to get up and move. Other times he's going to say, sit down and wait. But you have to know him to know the difference in those moments. And what a good father we have. What a good God we have that doesn't leave us alone or without direction or without a manual. He doesn't give us anything in this life without a manual and a guide to walk us through it. I believe today your marriages are gonna improve when you put the word first. Your parenting is gonna improve when you put the word first. Your finances are gonna blow you away when you put God first. Because he loves to bless his children. But we need the wisdom. We need the ideas and the creativity from him on how to be blessed and how to be a blessing. Father, I speak right now peace that passes all understanding. Father, I speak right now calm and rest. Father, I speak that every spirit of fear, anxiety, panic attacks, depression are broken over this room. I speak that your children are stepping in to your word, to knowing you, to loving you, to being in your word. If you would just stand with me real quick, we're gonna make a commitment and then I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor John. Amen. Raise your hand if this message spoke to you, if it challenged you, if it reminded you of the great value that we have in this word. Look at me. You don't have to have your eyes closed. We're going to just look around. All of us are going to make this fresh commitment this morning. We don't have time for an altar call, but we're going to just in our seats right now, we're going to make a fresh commitment that God, I'm not going to be like Eddie. I want to be strong. I want to be, I want to be wise. I want to be successful. I want to be like Joshua. I want to act wisely according to your word. Father, we thank you for your word. Just repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's life-giving, nourishing, strengthening, refreshing. I'm sorry, Lord for neglecting your word. I'm sorry, Father, for not placing high value on your word. I cling to it. I prioritize it. I need it. Thank you for the gift of your word, the manual for success. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the